You are listening to Down Home. Black female Canadian country artist. Google this and Shelley Hamilton's name pops up. I found that my own words couldn't do Shelley justice. So I'll read this excerpt from her website. Nova Scotian, Toronto-based Shelley Hamilton has worked internationally from Dubai to Japan, sung on award-winning albums, and done everything from acapella with stand-up comedy to singing the Rolling Stones classic Gimme Shelter beside the legend herself, Mary Clayton. Join me and Jay as we welcome Shelley Hamilton to the Down Home Podcast. Welcome to Down Home, the Nova Scotian experience from two black men. I'm Derek Wise. And as always, we have Jay Jones. What's happening, everybody? And our guest this episode is Shelly Hamilton, award-winning country blues uh, singer, songwriter, and stage actress as well. Shelly, how are you doing? I am very hot. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, let me say it another way. I am very hot. <laughs> it's not a hot June day in Ontario. It's simply because I woke up like this. I really did. <laughs> awesome. Summer has arrived. Summer has Summer arrived. Finally, less lockdown-ish and feeling the beauty of summer and connecting and that starting to feel just a little bit nicer versus the feelings of being in so many, look, we've been in so many lockdowns, I lost count. I know. (laughs) I know. Just to be outside and enjoy the heat and and enjoy the stay, actually. It's been really quite, quite lovely. Yeah, it's important. That's great. Uh, So, yeah, Nova Scotia, born and bred. Uh, And um, one thing I was thinking about, I I actually read an article that uh, interview that you did uh, a while back and you were talking about how your father had um, has was forcing you to listen to Charlie Pride and some of his country country albums there I, and it, it brought back a memory like uh, I remember I remember my aunt uh, putting on Charlie Charlie Pride and uh, and we, we used to rock out to so Nova Scotia the black community in Nova Scotia actually does have quite the following for that that bluesy country uh, experience right oh um, it absolutely does it absolutely does I mean we we remember growing up and you know if you had a op- opportunity to hear the word hootenanny party, you were at it. And uh, those always involved a lot of instruments, a lot of uh, connection, a lot of um, improvisation and mixing of music, actually. And we've always seen that culturally in Nova Scotia. I, George Eliot Clark uses a term that I love using, which is Afrocadian. And when we started working together on our Roots and Blues album, the Afro Métis Nation, we started creating and using terms that haven't been used simply because people aren't looking at the history and the depth of the culture culturally. And so for me with country music, remembering those stories and having my father tell me these things 
that I didn't understand until I was older. Like he would say, those are our people. Like when he would talk about Charlie Pride or when he would talk about Ray Charles and Ray Charles put out country music, they loved it so much. They uh, uh, copied the designs and the arrangements of his music and put it in white stream music. So white mainstream would listen to it, but Charlie never got the credit for it. Uh, Linda Martell, she was so groundbreaking in country music, first black woman on the black old, the Grand Old Opry stage. Did I have a chance to experience and know her? No, because those stories weren't given to me visually. So I had to look and search and listen and find these stories. And it wasn't until I was older, even though I was living the experience of being as country as hell. I was so country, but we had horses, we had goats, we had chickens. If I ever put on another album, God, with all this mess going on, I'm still creating, but, you know, like to put an album out now in these circumstances just seems so daunting. But if I did, I would call it Black Dog Breeder's Daughter. Whoa. And because my father was the first Black registered dog breeder in Canada. And I know this because there was never anyone until I started researching it and found out he was the only person that had ever been, not only the first Black dog breeder in Canada, he dog bred. German shepherds. And not only did he breed German shepherds, he bred German shepherds and imported his dogs from Germany. Wow. wow. So who went to my father's house in little old Cherry Brook Road looking for the best dogs to be used for the RCMP? The RCMP came to our house for yeah. those dogs. And everybody knew back in the day, they knew my father's nickname was Dookie. You know, everybody has, has a nickname down home. Yeah. So my father's nickname was Dookie. And everybody always called him Dookie with the dogs because no one came down to our house because everyone was too scared. We had all these German shepherds yeah. and, and goats and hens half the time. We had a rotation of animals on a regular basis. But we always had, you know, my family always said we always had the dogs. And people knew stories about my father, but my father training and, and going to dog shows and winning awards in the sport um, that people didn't recognize. And my father loved doing this work and loved that he was a sportsman in this field that people weren't recognizing, let alone not even thinking a black man in the breed would be so knowledgeable of dogs. Mm -hmm. But he did this work. And so as a kid growing up in the country, I had all these influences that I grew up with about the strength and history of us as black country people in Canada. But I never really saw us being prominently displayed by that brilliant example, especially in country music. Mm -hmm. um, and when I tried to even go into that area, I had several times over the years, I feel that my experience was that it was, I was interesting, but I wasn't supported. Mm -hmm. And for a new artist in that field, when you are literally the new kid really trying to do something, and now in hindsight, I look at it as I was being very brave because I wasn't being supported by something that I really loved. So I always really didn't feel supported to go into it. I did, and I also, again, didn't see myself in the industry. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard to not do something that I was always passionate to do. But when I got into my later years, I thought, you know what, one more kick up the can. Again, I don't see really a lot of people that are black female artists in Canada doing it. And then when I kept researching it and looking for artists like me, I couldn't find us. I kept putting in black country singer, black female country singer, Canada, Canadian black female countries, 
you cannot find anyone claiming that title. Mm-hmm. So and in all my history of work as an artist, the one thing I've always noticed is that no matter how tiny and small you are, if you claim it, if you own it, if you know it's your truth, you got to run with it. Mm-hmm. Always try to own yourself in the truth of who you are. So I started making myself part of Google. And I started putting it into my website. I started putting it into my searches on Instagram or Twitter or any interviews and that that I had. I had people make sure they put that in there. And then a couple of months later, I looked up Black Female Country Singer, Canada. I show up. I changed Google Analytics because otherwise I wasn't going to be there and no one would have seen me. No one would see us as Black female artists in Canada. Uh, Being part of the uh, East Coast Music Awards this year, was wonderful to be nominated was mm-hmm. wonderful to be nominated to my fellow brothers and sisters who I love and acknowledge all their work. I love what they do, but in my genre, or even historically, if I can look in hindsight about the work I've done, I'm a little engine that could. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say that in an honest way, because for me, I've always been driven to the stories and the history of yeah. Blacks in our history in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was kind of this beautiful heartbreak, and I say this in a, in a way that I think you guys will understand, the beautiful heartbreak I realized during our, our racial uprising that is still happening is that I realized no wonder I'm not as big or as popular as a lot of other artists doing the work about the history of Blacks in Canada and about that trauma and that, and that history. It's not popular. It certainly doesn't sell albums. It isn't going to be the main thing that people want to write about or go, oh my God, I want to go do that show. But I get drawn to it. Mm-hmm. I literally feel my ancestors saying to me, you have to document this. You have to be part of our history. If you don't do it, these stories and part of this legacy will be lost or they may not understand that this format even existed. Mm -hmm. One of the nicest things I've had in the moments when I've done my work. And again, I'm always self-produced. I've always done this work as a self-produced artist is when people come up to me and they say, I had no idea. Really? I, I, I didn't know about this. Mm -hmm. There are black communities in Nova Scotia that share this history. Or your ancestors have been here for over 400 years. Mm. And since when? Since the American Revolutionary War? And I do this work in my plays and I do this work in my music because the history is always easier to swallow when it's done artistically, right? But at the same time, I look at it in hindsight and I go, well, well no wonder. I am not the most popular uh genre of music to get into but i appreciate when people acknowledge and recognize the moments and what i'm creating in the music and that that i do mm-hmm. when george elliott clark and i along with chris white who's part of the um ottawa folk festival sugar plums clarkson and uh uh gosh i my na- the name's escaping me right now but i'll say it in a minute um when we did the the album the affirmation nation we did it with the purpose of knowing that we had to tell the stories about the Blacks and Indigenous communities in Nova Scotia. 
We had to do it to say that we are lineage of that history, that lineage, like we are now also acknowledging right now in relation to our indigenous culture in Canada, has been totally whitewashed throughout history. Mm-hmm. For me to know that history and find out about my roots and my lineage and that story that I didn't know about, about my indigenous roots until I was in my 30s, because those stories are taken away from us. They're literally written out of our own history, let alone history books. Yeah. Find the people that I did meet in Nova Scotia that said to me, oh, you're doing a music, you're doing music about the Blacks and the Roots and the Métis and the Roots and the connections that we have in Nova Scotia. Oh, like, I have grandparents who are Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know about this? It's like, oh, lots of us know about it. We just don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of us are so oblivious to our obvious history that we're used to walking around and not seeing it acknowledged. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think uh, it's really important, like African, you know, our African descent, we were steeped in the in uh, sort of uh, oral traditions, uh, you know, the griots passing on these stories from generation to generation. Uh, And there are those chosen. um, And, you know, just like yourself, like you're a voice where you have to express yourself. And, you know, it's important that you sort of tell those stories even if it's from an artistic way, because we let our guards down to see it. But, you know, that's just something that, you know, that's a mantle you were bestowed with to sort of continue, continue to tell those stories because it's so passionate to you. So continue that type of work, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's important. It's important. It's important, uh, to leave that legacy. It's important to pass on that, uh, that knowledge. Definitely. Can you recall that, that moment, the, that, that spark that actually led you down the path of pursuing a, a, a career in, uh, in music and stage acting? I always tell a little side story because I grew up with a very big family. I had seven siblings. So seven siblings in a three-bedroom house is a small house. <laughs> yeah. And so you never had a lot of places to really uh, explore your own self. So for me, I always joke and say, I don't remember being out of the closet. My first memories were being in the closet. I went in the closet when I was younger and I would go into the little uh, hallway closet or in the other side closet in our house or underneath our bed. And that's where I would sing. Oh. And I would bring my little AM radio. Remember those little AM radios, all the little different colors? Mm-hmm. I would bring that with me and sing harmony to radio stations. And I don't even remember the age of doing that, but it was probably when I first got my transistor radio, which was about six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered knowing I could do that and knowing that teachers would recognize it. They'd hear me singing and I would sing in perfect pitch. So they knew I had an ear and I knew I enjoyed singing. So I don't remember a time when I wasn't doing it. I just remember times when I wanted to do it and I couldn't find a private moment to do it. So being in the closet and singing are my earliest memories of wanting to do it and having a passion for it. And that was about six or seven years old. And then just always finding ways to have an opportunity to sing, be it at church, be it at school, be it at any moment that I could open my mouth up and sing with people I was singing right now I have um a background noise of happy birthday and I don't know if you can actually hear it 
that can't go on for a long time because <laughs> I think it's just for somebody's little party and they're going to blow some party cake and blow some bubbles and oh, he paused. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. And we have more music. <laughs> oh, whoops, he disappeared. So, yeah, we had a few technical issues, so we decided to contact Shelly and reschedule our talk. So, the first part of our, uh, our talk there last time was great. Um, if you don't mind, we'll get you to kind of talk about the, uh, the birthday party that was going <laughs> on in the background there. <laughs> we'll get you to explain that. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So I, I was up in Wasega Beach for the weekend because I have a little place up there and I just thought it'd be great to do my podcast from there because I have a very quiet little podcast in which I write letters and I then speak the letters as the podcast after I've written them. So I thought I'd go up there to have some nice quiet time. So I was also trying to coordinate a time and a place where we could get together that was close to their Wi-Fi and it had been quiet all day. And even when I had set it up, there was no one around at all until we started. And then there seemed to be a whole crew of family that came together for somebody's birthday. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, all we hear is happy birthday to you with this loud canned music. And then I find out they had brought a whole speaker system in. <laughs> set the whole thing up. You swear it was a Scotian party the way they had done it. It was like, we're going to invade. Like, they just went, we ain't shook. We're going to invade because yeah. we get down. Yeah. So they said they're going to have a party. And then they started doing the next version of the wheels on the bus go round and round. And then <laughs> after that, we decided, well, maybe we should do this podcast for another time. Then some really loud, exuberant Latin music started going. And when I heard that, I'm like, nope, they're going to party hard. <laughs> And they partied for hours with their family. It was wonderful. And I thought, I don't think we can compete with this happy party today. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's they all. They were right. jamming, though. Yeah. I wanted hey. to get on it. They were jamming. You got, you got to get down. Yeah. You got to get down. Can't, can't interrupt uh, those birthday parties. Man. No. And, and down home style. Remember those parties? Oh, my goodness. Oh, look. You, we you got. Know, look. We got down and couldn't get up. <laughs> I know by the end of that party, some one of the relatives was half cut and feeling good. Yeah. I know it. I could tell by the way they were getting down. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jay, you might as well just jump into it. Man. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to continue our conversation with uh, the question uh, that I asked before the wheels on the bus went round and round. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, as an artist, what has been uh, your creative outlet since you uh, aren't able to do your normal gigs um, uh, due to COVID? Do you, uh, do you have any other projects in the work that you're working on during this time that made you really tap into something or made you really find something that you didn't know you had in you to express yourself in the way that you used to? Well, I think everybody has. I mean, you have by doing this podcast. And as I said to you guys before, I think it's so great that you're doing something like this because, you know, I had thought about it as well from a Scotian perspective. There's a lot of rich culture, heritage, history. Mm -hmm. And I love when people meet us and they go, you ain't from here, are you? You're, you're, you're different. 
You ain't Torontonian. You Canadian? And then you tell them where you're from, they go, Scotia? I want to go to Scotia. You're, you're from Scotia. I want to visit Scotia. There's yeah. something about the vibe and the energy, I think, that we have that makes it you know, make us, uh, makes us unique. So I love the fact that you're doing a show like this to, to give us uh, more of a voice, but to answer your question, that being said, as you've gotten into different avenues of creativity, uh, I did unbeknownst to myself. And I think one of the things that I've chosen to do is to see where that goes. And that's very hard to do considering the only thing I know as an artist is to be, an entertainer, which is like a singer, an actor, and a, a creative person in general. But I have a lot of veins in that mm -hmm. arsenal of tools that I have. Mm -hmm. And so as a writer, I've been writing. And it started off as, before the pandemic, I just made a resolution to start writing letters once a week, just to get back into writing and writing letters to people again. And then the pandemic hit, and it took on a different context altogether. Um, so when I did that, I had been approached to maybe put an article into the Daily Hive about my experiences as a person writing during the pandemic. And they ended up picking up the article. And from them picking up the article, uh, Toronto.com picked up the article, CBC had picked up the article, and people started wanting to interview me about being a writer during the pandemic. So I guess the one thing, one of the things that I've become is a pandemic writer, and I don't know what that is. I guess I'm a reluctant writer. I'm a writer that just writes about what I'm experiencing, what I think a lot of us are feeling and experiencing. It's a bit different to write from that perspective for me because I'm not doing it from media or uh, trying to garner followers or trying mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. get people to look at my perspective. I'm literally just having moments that when it hits me and when it feels right, I write. Yeah. And I write honestly, I write creatively, I write what the moment is. And sometimes I believe that when you just let it go and see where your artistic spirit is going to lead you, it ends up creating other stories. So mm -hmm. I hope out of this, I just am able to tell other stories, including my own and other perspectives. It just so happened last week when I was up in Wasega, I really wanted to write up there. So I drove up specifically to do my podcast and my writing there that day. And what struck me more that I needed to write from was a perspective of trying to still find ways to be joyful in this sorrowful time that we're living in without feeling guilty about it. Like you mm. literally feel guilty about having a moment that you feel good when you also are bombarded with so many things. And for me, as a person who also recognizes her Aboriginal heritage, happy Black Micmac Day, Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's yeah. today, by the way. Yes. Um, that's why I wear my aboriginal scarf ah. to pay homage to my people here beautiful so, beautiful yeah yes. so i i look at that and i think of all of these things that my my indigenous brothers and sisters have gone through and have dealt with for centuries the history and what i know and acknowledge as a black person that acknowledges her aboriginal roots and acknowledges that heritage in nova scotia i see all of this pain that we have been through over these last couple of months that seem like forever and there's a lot that we're dealing with it's constant sorrow it's waves of grief that we can't help but if we're not open as humans right now i don't know if we ever will be so there's a lot of stuff that, that comes to our hearts but we feel guilty trying to go on with life and doing things that we'd normally do so i just wrote about finding joy in the sorrow no matter how difficult it is challenge yourself to do it because i'm going to challenge myself to do it yeah. and I wrote from that perspective, just 
because I don't know where anyone is. So wherever they are, they might need a moment to just go, I've got to just shift for a minute. Maybe I can find a moment of joy, something mm-hmm. little that will get me through this awful moment because there are many of us that are dealing with moments like that. So I just try to reach out to people and connect that way. Yeah. And then the very next day, my mother-in-law passes away. Oh. So I literally have to take my own lesson mm-hmm. and look at the joy within the sorrow of that moment. So I looked I looked, and I literally went and started crying, and I went, find the joy and the sorrow. There's been many of these moments this whole time, joy mm-hmm. and the sorrow. And the joy I found in that moment was that someone saw me and just said, are you okay? Yeah. And I went, no, I just found out my mother-in-law just died. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. You go take what you take the time you need mm-hmm. right now. Go, go. I'm so sorry. And then to see people who want to hug you in your sadness when you're just suddenly finding this out and they can't, but they're with you in their mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. I could walk away from that moment and say, that was a moment of joy that someone saw me. Mm-hmm. It was the acknowledgement and it wasn't yippee joy, but it was joy on that level of, it was grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it made me happy that someone could see me in that painful moment. And so I'm still dealing with that sadness, but there are moments of joy in every single aspect of this, being able to speak to you guys and talk about who I am and joy within sorrow and Mm -hmm. having to, apply those lessons myself and hoping that other people hear that to find the joy in the sorrow like joy in this sorrow for me today was seeing a bee flying on a flower and that big fat bee was living large (laughs) and i was like i am joyous for that bee and it took me out of my moment of feeling sad about the emails and that that i had to follow up with in regards to the preparation so Mm -hmm. we do that and i think the other a moment of joy during that sorrow has been writing these letters. Doing that has allowed me to also have a way of connecting with people. That's not, um, it's not necessarily social media. It's just me, me being honest and finding a way to connect that way. Granted, mm-hmm. I'm using, you know, podcasts and social media to promote it, but that's not their main reason why I'm doing it. It's literally about connection. Yeah. There's still that intimacy in putting pen to paper because they're all yeah. handwritten. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to take you off track, but I just want to say, yeah, uh, it's so good that you're allowing yourself to f- feel those things in those moments. It's something that we don't do often with the rigmarole of life and how, how it can distract us from, you know, actually being able to even realize we need those moments. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, man, you got to feel it, you know, to, 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 to heal one must feel. And even in those day day to day moments, you know, and to be able to express yourself in that way. And then in turn, you're turning that sorrow sorrow into joy that becomes power for someone else who reads that and feels hurt, heard and, and, and feels felt just like you did when, you know, someone said, I feel where you're coming from in your yeah. pain and sorrow. It's about that connection. So continue spreading that joy, you know, even through your sorrow, like, you know, we'll get through it tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, like you're, it's what you're saying about creative, creative avenues and where we find them. And I love the fact I wasn't expecting my writing to be a creative avenue that kept me sane and also kept me connected with people. But just having that as a task, not a task that was 
form and function, but a task that felt joyous and a, a state of wonder. Like, I wonder what I'm going to write today. I wonder what perspective I'll feel. And if I feel like writing at all, maybe I feel too sad to write today. Maybe I write about feeling sad. Mm-hmm. So on the weekend, it was about finding joy and pain because that's what I felt. Mm-hmm. And then just getting to do that avenue of writing, it kept me creative and it also made me feel, um, it made me feel grounded when so many things for us creatively have been taken away from us. And then the other thing I did, again, I wasn't realizing I was doing this. This is what makes it so great about creativity. When we're used to doing it, when I'm used to just doing what I do as an artist, we don't realize when we're actually challenging ourselves to be creative. So I think I was challenging myself to be creative and I didn't even realize it during COVID. I spoke to um, my drummer uh, in my band that, uh, I also work with, because uh, he does work with graphic design. And I said to him, I said, do you realize that we did four videos during COVID? Wow. Mm, wow. And That's we cool. didn't realize that. I I released my song just before the pandemic. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be a studio recording, but we only had a chance to do it live on the floor. And we had a raw recording. So I, I did Stay Strong as the video. Then we did... Um, two other videos during complete lockdown. And then this last video that I just released on Monday, which is the pizza anthem, which I'll tell you about in a moment. We did that during our last lockdown here, all long distance, all by sending edits and that back and forth and two meetings socially distant with masks on in the middle of winter (laughs) during (laughs) snowstorms. But everything was, uh, it was just super creative about green screen and how we can get people involved and how can we do this when we don't have any access to seeing everybody. It was crazy how we were able to do this video but it was literally this passion about being creative and having this story drove us more than the limitations we had with the pandemic that would have halted the creativity so to keep ourselves open to what we can do and how we can create has been the biggest lesson to me during this pandemic and be open to what the other definitions of your possibility are. I, I have had circumstances where in my life where I had to look at, am I only the singer actor? Like if, if I'm not doing this, how do I define myself? I'm lucky enough. I've had that question happen to me uh, years ago. And it luckily happened and I know people have luckily it luckily happened when I found out I had a cancer diagnosis and I could have died so Mm -hmm. I went from you know doing my work as usual Mm -hmm. to getting diagnosed with colon cancer at an advanced stage and being told that you either have to rest and keep your life together or you're going to die so with those as my two options I chose I think I want to live but then I had to stop everything everything in my life i had to stop and i went what do i do now i guess i have to figure out how to heal and focus on my health and my well-being and keep my life really small and structured and do these things and then when we started going through covid i went i've done this before Mm -hmm. like i've really done this before i had to isolate i had to limit the people when i saw them when i did see them it had to be in circumstances where they were healthy and they weren't sick because my immune system was down and Mm. you know there there was that time where i lived this way before and i had to look at my life and figure out am i just the definition of who i am as an artist 
or can I expand on who I am creatively and who I am as a person? And that's been a really wonderful challenge for me to be reminded of that because instead of me feeling anxious about who I am and what I do creatively, it has allowed me to feel grace for myself, feel grace for my health and well-being mentally more so and look at what we need to give ourselves as artists and not feel stressed or pressured or anxious about what I'm going to do next, but more so be observant and wonder what it will be that I put myself into creatively next. Mm -hmm. I, I know that from before, because at first when I was coming back from cancer, I immediately thought it's going to be what I do, which is Mm -hmm. a singer. I'm going to be singing. I've got to be singing, but I actually didn't feel strong enough or well enough to sing. Mm-hmm. So then I had to look at what else can I do that's creative that allows me to feel like I'm being creative again. Mm-hmm. So it was writing. Yeah. It was cooking. It mm-hmm. was gardening. It was all these other things that made me feel I had done something. And it was also nurturing me at the same time. And I think and I hope that other people have found that for themselves. And just me saying that story of it's okay to be artistic and feel scared and feel uncertain because what choice do we have? Yeah. But we can also look at those ways that we can reflect on our lives and also see possibility. Doesn't mean we'll necessarily have answers immediately. That's for damn sure. Mm -hmm. But we can think about and see possibility. It's interesting what we're able to achieve if we open our mind to new possibilities. Yeah. It's very interesting what we can achieve, and and your story points that out uh, directly. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's just a it's just an example of that, and I've seen so many people change and flip the script to also find other avenues and outlets. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, you guys have also done the same thing here, which that's why it's it's such an it's such a beautiful outlet for you creatively. And it also connects us to others and to ourselves. Like we wouldn't have this opportunity to get to know each other and mm-hmm. have a chance to talk to one another if it wasn't for you guys going, well, why not? Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. A lot of people are going, why not right now? Oh, and, I, and I love that for everyone. Yeah. I, I could have looked at, for example, I could have looked at the uh, East coast music awards, um, this week because I was nominated for an award and I could have looked at, at that as, oh, man, it's going to be one more thing. I just don't get, no one's going to recognize me in the industry and blah, 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 blah. I didn't look at it in that way at all. I looked at it as I have been so fortunate that in a pandemic, I got nominated for two awards in Canada. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that it gave me not only a platform to be acknowledged, but it also put me, put me in a position to go, Look at that. We got nominated for awards in a pandemic. That's awesome. It really is one of those type of things where it was just an honor to be nominated. And it was an honor to have people look at me as an artist, respect who I am in my work, and challenge myself about what I'm going to do creatively. So I looked at that opportunity and went, a lot of people could take that as I didn't win. or I look at just being nominated in this time, in this day and age, during these circumstances, such a gift, such yeah. a blessing. Yeah. And then anything else that comes out of that is all gravy. Yeah. So right now it literally is a, I don't know what's next, but I don't know what's next. Mm-hmm. I'm actually yeah. excited about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. We can take the attitude of this is really frightening or this is really frightening. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's frightening, but it's not something that uh, we're the only ones dealing with it. So it's it's really actually a relief for me. And I hope other artists can hear this too. It can actually be a relief to take a break and feel observant while we see what's going on in the industry rather mm-hmm. than feeling we need to be the equation or the equivalent of what everyone else is doing. Because trust me, over this last year and a half, I feel so fortunate as you know, a, a black female country artist that's very new in the scene here in Canada. It's literally like, who is she? To have this type of start, restart in my career again and to be working in this vein of music and over this year, I've had a chance to make connections and allies with U.S. Black artists in the country field. I don't yeah. think I would have gotten those connections had this not happened. It made me reach out, connect more, mm-hmm. see more of my brothers and sisters, and have them see me as a Canadian artist. Yeah. And that has been a gift. I wouldn't have again, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have again had that otherwise had this pandemic happened. Yeah. And that it allows me to stay open to how I define myself and what that means artistically as I go forward. Cause the only person that can define you is you. So mm-hmm. don't feel, I don't feel wary about what can change or evolve with my work right now, because everything can be open to possibility because there's so many things that have changed. Now we don't need to stay in one aspect of our work. It, I mean, there's silver linings within the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's cracked open a lot of things during this time, uh, yeah. not only for artists, but just all over the world. And mm-hmm. we're all seeing it from whatever perspective we're seeing it from, but hopefully in a positive way, it leads to a, a new positive way. Yeah. Well, the perspective we see it from, is going to morph into our creativity. Mm-hmm. Maybe these new voices that come out give us these perspectives we need to hear. Like the artists are doing that. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's brave. It's so brave. Um, you know, even what I've done, like the, the song I released on, on Monday, which is the pizza anthem. Mm-hmm. Like it's a crazy song. It's about pizza. However, <laughs> there's not a lot of pizza songs out there, number one. No. And number two, it actually came out of what's been happening during the pandemic, which has been making more light of white entitlement mm-hmm. and just people being entitled in general, thinking they have the right to talk other people down, saying that they're less than or that they're allowed to have versus other people are not. I'm so tired of it. And so when I was uh, working with Coco Phonic, which is Tony Singh and Randy James, Randy had come across with this music idea. And my feeling was, it's got a great beat, but you know what? Unless there's a meaning behind the music right now, dance or otherwise, I don't want to be a part of it, nor can I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if I, Not that I wouldn't listen to music that's just like fun and happy or whatever, but music that I'm involved with right now. I just wanted to have a bit more meaning that resonated with me. Yeah. I didn't want to just do a dance music. Mm-hmm. So we started talking about things that we maybe want to talk about in regards to the music. And I just started talking about Karens, like all the crazy <laughs> Karens that are out there. And that's now a tag, like Karens, right? <laughs> so we started talking about all the crazy Karens and all these Karen videos that are out there. And you just, it's outlandish how entitled these people are. So I said, why don't we take this song and make it about Karen's and entitlement? Cause that I can get behind and we'll make it funny and we'll make it inclusive. So we're not 
alienating people. We're trying to bring people in to understand we're tired of this. And this might actually be a way to show kids about entitlement too, in a funny way. I said, let's just try to work out the pieces together as we go along. And what came out of that creativity was this pizza anthem that we did long distance with green screens, me doing the direction long distance, sending videos back and forth, sending the green screen over to the west end of the city to get the dancers to do it, picking up the green screen, socially distant to get all this stuff done. It was crazy, but it was all about, I couldn't get behind something unless there was a message behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I just started researching videos of Karen's and some of their most famous quotes and then started putting that rhythmically to the beat of the music. Wow. And then the catch quote was the Karen, the pizza Karen that went into that restaurant and was just like, I have a right to get my order. I have a right to my pizza. And she doesn't have a mask on. And that's at the height of COVID. Yeah. And she was just like, I have a right to get my pizza. My doctors would not let me wear a mask because it would be violating federal law if she had her mask taken off. So well, she can't wear a mask. It's like, are you kidding me? But pe- <laughs> these justified people actually would bring these as reasons why they're allowed to be entitled. Yeah. So the more and more I researched these quotes, the more and more pissed off I was getting about entitlement. And I went, I can get behind this song. So I started writing like a demon. (laughs) And out of the madness came this song. And then we had to figure out a way to make it seem catchy and relevant and ironic. And I went, well, a black woman doing all the Karen quotes as the Karens would be pretty damn funny and ironic. (laughs) So look out, people, the black Karen is here. So I play all the Karens, every single Karen, because it is, it's kind of funny that you see a black person standing there entitled saying all of this stuff, because that's not something you would be able to do. No, no. If we tried to do that, that that would never happen. So I've got Central Park Karen. He is a, he is a, he is harassing me and my dog. Uh, we've got uh, literally, you guys suck McDonald's, Karen. I used to manage a McDonald's. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Get some hustle. You guys suck. You know, it's it's literally all these quotes are literal Karens. And I hope that some of them see each other and can laugh at how idiotic they are. Uh, where can you find it? Uh, is it on YouTube or... Uh... The pizza anthem is available on all formats, but if you want okay. to see the madness and the insanity, go to YouTube okay. to watch me as the checkout girl at Pizza Burger, uh, the lady that's entitled, the rich lady, the raincoat lady, the Anna, the uh, video game lady. Like you want to see all the entitled ladies, <laughs> you just have to go see the video. All right, all right, pizza. All there, and it's all very crazy and. I myself am an animated hot mess. So cool. add me to a cartoon. It's like two times the animation. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Pizza Anthem. Pizza um, Anthem. Shelly, I also want to ask you what went into your decision to uh, leave Nova Scotia? That's a crazy time. It was a really crazy time for me. I was very young. I was a pup um, still here in the industry. And I felt like I had done a lot that I needed to do as far as the groundwork was Mm -hmm. as an artist in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. I wanted to literally hit the ground running. I just wanted to perform. I wanted to be, I wanted to be doing what I wanted to do. And I knew that 
in Nova Scotia, I'd be kind of limited. I'd either have to stay in Halifax and still continue to do the gigs that I'm doing and try to hustle in that way. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if, if or how I wanted to develop my acting skills. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to theater or to television. So I thought it's going to be a big, brave move, but I thought maybe I'll move to Toronto. At the time, my brother lived there, so I knew I'd had support there to just get myself uh, started in the city. Um, but I, I was very naive, I think, when I first moved to Toronto. I thought, I'm Shelley Hamilton, I'm from Nova Scotia, I'm going to get so much work, I'm going to be famous. And it was like, no. And who are you? Yeah. And we ain't hiring you. We don't know you. Yeah. Who you, girl? It was literally like me having a Scotian revelation and then every single time I was like, who are you, girl? Who are you going to work here, you girl? Who yeah. you, girl? <laughs> and unless I knew other people that were connected to other people, it was going to be hard to get myself started. So when I first came to Toronto, I was not a musician or an artist at all. I was a person working at retail, living at my brother's house in his apartment on his couch, hustling and just trying to get myself together with two pennies to my name. And that was, I should have been called two pennies to my name, Shelly, for years because I was. (laughs) They should have added just the two pennies every time someone introduced me because that's all I had to rub together. Um, But it was a long time before I got to the point where I was able to start pursuing my music and that again but it was always even when I was working and doing the day job it was always about eventually being able to be on stage full time Mm -hmm. so all those years when I was even hustling and having day jobs and working part-time I was always pursuing the music trying to learn uh, new music meet new people uh, get a base here in the city learn Mm -hmm. who I was as an artist it 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 just never stopped it just seemed Mm -hmm. like it was such a long road because at the time when I also started trying to get myself established in Toronto was when the recession was here. So everybody was scaling down. Restaurants were not hiring as many bands and groups. Everything was very small based. Everything Mm -hmm. work-wise had changed. And only the people that had regular, regular established jobs and gigs were getting really hired. So I had to figure out a way to modify my work. So I worked only in duos and trios for a long time oh, and worked yeah. primarily in those facts because it was easier. It was easier to get mm-hmm. gigs. And again, you had to take less money and all of that. So it, it, it took a long time to get to a point where I felt established again as an artist. And it took a lot of years to get to the point where I had the respect of my career in Toronto to be able to have the respect again in Nova Scotia. Really? It was very strange because it's a hard transition as a Scotian artist to make your way here in Toronto, but also want to be acknowledged where you're from. Like I've Mm -hmm. always had a huge, a huge part of my heart and a huge part of the way I define myself has always been I'm from Nova Scotia. I'm always a Scotian artist. It's always my pride. It's always, it's, it's my home. It's my heart. Mm-hmm. So the definition of who I am as an artist is literally that, even though I live in Toronto. Right. So I always had this feeling of, I want to be able to go home and know that people still honor and respect the work that I do and that they respect the fact that I'm still this artist that's doing this work, you know? Mm-hmm. That's Thank interesting. You. That's actually a running theme of a lot of our guests that have moved away from Nova Scotia. They, They literally tell us, that's the first thing that they tell us is that, you know, Nova Scotia is my heart. Nova Scotia is my home. Uh, It's my origin. This is, it's my roots. And they're in, everyone's very passionate about it as well. 
Mm-hmm. When I reestablish myself, it, I, I have to say that even when it comes to reset, when I reset myself, I can't tell you how many times, like, and I love the fact that I, I've gone home so much now over the years as an artist. I usually go home two or three times a year these past few years to go home to work or what have you. So I yeah, feel yeah. really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family loves it too, because I love that they know Shelly comes home at least once or twice a year for work. Yeah. But I feel like nothing resets me like going home. Like mm-hmm. I, anytime I go home, even to work, it's a reset button. Yeah. Yeah. And then I come back to Toronto and I feel grounded because mm-hmm. I feel seen and acknowledged by those that love and know me. Yeah. And I feel supported in a way that I know that if I decided to even go back to Nova Scotia to work again, there would be this little rumor mill going around going, Shelly Hamilton moved back home. Shelly moved back home. Shelly moved back home. Well, I got to get Shelly's number. What's she working? What's she want to do now? Is she home? Well, I got to get her number. We got to hook up. We got to do some music together. We got to do it. It would be this like, there are already people that have said to me, like, as soon as you come home, you got to let us know. Yeah. I literally feel like I have a whole community that would embrace me creatively again to do mm-hmm. that work that I love mm-hmm. to do so well. So, and I get that when I go home, even for a few days, I get a reset, I get hookups, I get connections, I get, how long is she in town for? Is she going to be able to come over? Is mm-hmm. she like, it's, it's always that reset of feeling people are so passionate about you and about who you are, how can you not feel passionate? They literally remind you of who you are and that sense of self, that it regrounds you, that sense of spirit when you go home and then come back here. There's there's no feeling like that. So props props to Toronto. You know I love me my Toronto. I live here. Good to go. But when (laughs) I get a reset, it's always Scotian time. Right. (laughs) Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, right. Oh, you haven't already during this whole thing. Well, uh, if I can talk, I'm Scotian. You know, yeah. I can talk. Oh, I know you can go. Um, uh, well, last time you were on, before we had the technical difficulties and we had to reschedule, you had a little red guitar with you. Um, yes, I did. Now, I mean, of course, you can say whatever you want, but uh, what were you going to do with that red guitar then that you wouldn't mind doing now, possibly if you felt like it? Well, if I had a red guitar, which I don't, or a red ukulele, which I don't, however, I have my turquoise one. Oh. <laughs> well, that 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 will do. <laughs> You're good, Shelly. You're good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Tripped out, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't know where to go. I was like, uh oh, pizza lady. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I could play you a little something. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That would be great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad well, I put I, you on the spot. <laughs> well, no, you know what? I wasn't even sure if you were going to, but what I was going to play today is a new song that I'd written. And I wrote it kind of prior to the pandemic but it didn't really finish and i love how songs will tell you when they're finished when you think they're finished Mm -hmm. um so this was one of those songs i had initially um written the song just about let's see 
I guess the way I'd written the song is someone had said to me and they were going through a really difficult time and they were so exhausted. <sighs> they said, sometimes I wish I could be the burden. Oh, yeah. Wow. And it just hit me in that moment, the way the person said it mm -hmm. and the silence that happened afterwards. This person mm -hmm. had such a sense of exhaustion that it made my heart leap. Mm -hmm. And this was a person that had been doing so much for so many. Mm -hmm. They were finally telling me in that little moment, they were so exhausted that they wished they could stop being it for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. It's a powerful statement. <laughs> and I think how many times people have gone through that during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that people have to remember when we're trying to be strong for each other or and strong for ourselves is to know when we say yes and know when we say no and know when that's okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, it is when we have to halt before we open ourselves up for others but that's when we are actually being strong enough for ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was weird that out of this pandemic, I realized how many healthcare workers were saying that. How many people that were going to jobs every day that in general were high risk were doing that and were just so done because they're also dealing with teaching the kids at home. They're also doing extra jobs because now somebody else is off because of the pandemic. They also have this, and they're not doing well physically, but they still have to work. At, and they also have everyone else asking them to do 10 million things. Like how many levels of can people say, I'm so done. Mm -hmm. So I went back to this song and it literally said, you need to finish this and add a couple of things to make it sort of an anthem for exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this song is uh, called, <clears throat> excuse me, Solid as a Rock. And uh, I haven't released it or anything. I just, you know, wrote it, but I hoped it, I hope it to be a song that I can uh, release and give to others when they're just feeling like I'm kind of done because the song is kind of saying it's they're done for them. So here you go, everybody. Okay, thank you. Mm, you 
Thank you oh, so much. You're amazing. Yeah, you made my soul clap. That's for sure. Oh my goodness, man. We, uh, I have to say, Shelly, you've set a high standard for our guests. Yep. Not only inspirational, you're talented, you're amazing, you've been very giving with your time. This is amazing. Well, don't I'm tell back. Walter Borden that I'm a stiff because <laughs> Walter will shut me down. Because <laughs> Walter was one of my first teachers, man. He put me in God's trombones. He was one of my first gigs. Oh, wow. Walter. That's so cool. Oh, so yeah. Walter's a mentor to me. Don't be telling Walter anything because Walter will shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wal Walter still shuts most people down. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Walter then is everybody else, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this has been amazing. Like, um, I I don't I can't find the words, you know. This is this has been great. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, you're inspiring. Um, just the fact that you blazed your own trail, um, literally blazed your own trail. It's, it's, it's inspiring. Well, and, if you uh, look up black female Canadian country artist, and uh, I don't come up, it'll be a shock because I changed Google Analytics because we <laughs> weren't being seen. Couldn't find us. So yeah. that is the one thing I can say over these last couple of years I'm really proud of that I did. And it's about as being seen, acknowledged, recognized, and for us to see each other. Yes. That's what's really exciting. The, the other thing through this pandemic, brothers, I can say to you is that 
we are able to see each other so much more now and mm -hmm. also acknowledge each other's lights and connect with each other, mm -hmm. not just as Nova Scotianers, not just as people of color, but also as creative spirits that have been able to be aligned with each other and give light to each other during this time. It has literally saved our spirits. I know personally, I've had moments of connections where I felt people almost going under and then I was able mm -hmm. to bring them back out. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I leave that with all of you that get a chance to listen to this podcast. I do that when I do my own little simple podcast on Mother Love. And you can find me, look up Mother Love on Twitter or Instagram, you'll find Mother Love. Um, but when I'm writing, I, I write from this same perspective of if we have a moment to actually listen to what others are giving us and at those mm -hmm. moments that we need it to connect, those are those moments that literally shift us into feeling brighter lighted brighter yeah. life for ourselves i had that today just by someone calling me at one of those moments mm -hmm. they happen yeah. on the daily it yeah. is a literally a, a matter of being open to them and seeing how they keep us lifted in our lives right now and trust we don't have a lot so mm -hmm. if we can hold on to that yeah we golden everything yeah. else will come into place and all of us as creatives and all of us as people that are trying to do this work right now regardless of where you are or what you're doing in your lives mm -hmm. take moments take time to see and lift each other through this i mean hey that's what scotians do anyway right yeah. we try to always be aware of lifting and, and connecting with each other and always doing that but i tell you on a on a bigger scale we need to see that all the more and just by having a chance to do this podcast with you guys i think that gives us a chance to connect in that way and extend those types of connections to other people you know it really makes a huge difference all the work in that that i do going forward be it with the mother love podcast be it with any creative music i get to do going forward regarding my writing anything like that, that I do, I hope and challenge people to just be open to what your creative possibility can be mm -hmm. and don't feel frightened by it and, and scared, even though this pandemic has given us so much to feel uncertain about. Leave yourselves in a state of wonder to just to be open to what simple things can come to your way just by mm -hmm. being connected with all of us here right now. And yeah. I hope that you guys all feel that because that's truly what I send out to everyone else as we're trying to go forward here. Because mm -hmm. I told you before, I don't got much, but I got me, and that's all good. Wow, yeah. Those and are amazing words. Those amazing are amazing words. words. Um, Jay yeah. Jones, take us over. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do it, but I'm not going to say too much because, Shelly, you just took us out, and you took it. <laughs> Took us, you just took us to a place we need to go. And uh, you no, know, so girl, hey, you know. you know, hey, you you're down home grown. I know you what know you got I'm going on. Home. All down the bag of chips, you know I don't play. Hello, hello, <laughs> spicy red hot Doritos. I ain't shook. You need me to do something, I'll break it down. I ain't shook. Yeah. I ain't even fit. I'll break nope. it down. You didn't even have to ask me. I ain't even fit. I went and broke it down for you. Yeah, broke it down to a simple <laughs> science right there. Uh, but I do want to say thank you for being so inspiring. You're, you're, uh, you're another person on this list of doing this podcast that are all from Nova Scotia, uh, have all been showing your soul and showing your spirit and inspiring us. You know, I'm sure I can speak for Derek along the way. And that's been really something important. And me on a personal life level, seeing that has also been inspiring. So many more, so many doors that I've had on my own that I kind of closed for whatever reason are now starting to open. And I'm starting to listen to that voice, that, mm -hmm. inner, that inner sound that uh, just 
tells you to just be who you are and say what you have to say. It might not be for everybody, but it may be for someone, but it's also for you. Uh, And that's about jumping and crossing roads and worlds and rivers through words and power that we have in the human spirit. You brought that out of us today. And thank you for your lovely song. Uh, It was beautiful. Um, Awesome. And thank you. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for honoring me. And thank you for doing this because this gave me something to look forward to as well. So good. And your approach to all of this was magnificent. Thank you so much, brothers. I appreciate you. You have been listening to Down Home. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On a high plateau, from the one down below to the future of the funk, getting lost in the flow. Contact with the spot, my gex. Now it's time to flex with the force from the soul, reaching all aspects, getting deep. No time to sleep as you reach the song. Breaking new ground from the breakdown. A brand new path, breaking down the sum to one. Feeling free, I just laugh with the joy of a beat boy. Just kicking it live. A connection so strong, transcribed with the vibe like magic prescribed.